Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrot. Tommy Kester, this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Todd, touchdown, Kansas City! Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, we have you covered. Joining Sports Daily Live, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel. All right, welcome back in, everybody. It's hour number two of Sports Daily here on KFH. Little tag team action. Jacob Albrock out for hour number two. I'm Tommy Castor in for Jacob. Malcolm Carter joins me in hour number two today. And we are joined on the KFH hotline by the executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel. Dan, welcome to the show. Have you thought out yet from the weekend from Arrowhead on Saturday night? Yeah, who would have ever thought, Tommy, that we'd be going to buffalo and it'd be warmer than what a home game was i i don't think i'd ever consider that but uh yeah it was definitely a cold game i i think i've done almost 800 games and in, in by far the coldest one i've ever done yeah a buffalo's forecast for this weekend sounds downright balmy compared to what we had exactly. at arrowhead on on saturday let's talk about the conditions a little bit here dan uh, from the game on saturday night uh, of course, just absolutely frigid conditions, as we all know, minus 30 wind chills. And you could see it as the game played out. You could tell, you know, the way that things were impacting, the weather was impacting the game. Even going so far as Patrick Mahomes' helmet cracking, what did you take away from the way that the conditions actually impacted the game for both teams? You know, I, I felt like the Chiefs adjusted so quickly to the elements and I just felt like the Miami Dolphins never did. And, and, and I thought it was interesting in the week preceding, you had Andy Reid and Mike McDaniel, the two head coaches, both asked about the elements. And Andy Reid said, hey, you know, it is what it is. We play the games when they're scheduled. And that's all he said. And Mike McDaniel went on a, a dissertation of how they were going to handle it for eight minutes. And I really feel like it, it was in the head of the Dolphins. And, and look, how could it not be? I mean, it, it was that cold. But – I felt like the Chiefs just handled the elements so well. Mahomes came out in his first couple of throws. You could tell he was, you know, having to deal with the wind. I think it was really the wind more than the cold. Uh, but he, he made great adjustments. And the rest of the game, it seemed to just be not a factor. Uh, it was really kind of surprising because it was not your just cold game. This was 
a bitter, abnormal, cold game. I mean, this was, you know, one of those things where I think you could, you can mind over matter elements when you're talking, you know, 15 to 20 degrees. When you're talking 20 degrees below zero, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, nice to meet you, Dan. Um, I wanted to talk specifically about the Chiefs game plan on offense. It looked like they hadn't really skipped the beat um, in terms of how they perform in the playoffs. It seemed like they had everything going that they typically do have going. So can you just talk about offensively how they were able to sustain those drives and, you know, get points on the board? Yeah, Malcolm, I think one of the things we saw out of the, that contest was kind of the old Chiefs. We saw just a, a glimpse of what this team looks like when it plays well. And I, I got to give a lot of kudos to the offensive line who I felt did a, a fantastic job in the first half in particular. I thought the holes they were opening, I almost think I could have gotten through those holes. Pacheco had these massive uh, openings and he was seeing his vision was really good and they were running the football so well. And I, I just felt like that was the offensive line. And again, you know, in the face of these elements, uh, you get your hands out there and your hands get cold and that's what linemen use is their hands. And, and so I, I think everybody just did such a good job in that first half. Now the Dolphins adjusted and we had to make some changes as well, but I felt like really what you saw out of the first half of that game was a team that came out and, and had a fast start, which I know we went three and out in the first possession, but I think that was a little bit more of a test and a statement than it was, you know, an actual uh, failure to drive the second possession I thought was just uh, a really clean drive all the way down the field they were consistent they they seemed to control the clock with it they, they seemed to control the chains and and so I felt like that was kind of the old Chiefs where uh, maybe not the speed of scoring but the consistency of, of driving the football and really controlling the the elements so I was excited to see them come out with a fast start. We ask for that every week. I know they want to do that every week, but it seems like sometimes they come out and they not even matched the energy of the opponent. And last Saturday night, they not only matched the energy of the Miami Dolphins, they exceeded it. Outside of a garbage time turnover, the, the Chiefs also handled the ball really well, which is some, something that they've struggled with. And that was, I think, a, a talking point going into the conditions for the game on Saturday. The, the couple things, though, Dan, that I did notice is that, you know, this identity, the identity of this team, it continued on in the playoffs. And, and so, of course, we talked about it before about not expecting anything different from this team. They still had drops. Travis Kelsey had a couple of them. Jawan Taylor was still penalized. They still had struggles in the red zone, but they found ways to overcome that. And the path for this team is running the football with Isaiah Pacheco and, of course, really elite defense. Uh, is there anything that indicates to you that as they move forward in the playoffs, that that identity will change at all? Or is this what the Chiefs are for the rest of this season? Well, I do think, you know, I, I, it's a great question. And I, and I do think the identity uh, is going to be there. I don't think it's going to be there to the level that maybe we've seen it. You know, I, I think it's still unusual to see Kelsey dropping that many footballs. Was yeah. that the elements? Was that just the continuation of, of, you know, what this season has been? I, I don't really know, but I, I do think, you know, the, the emergence of, 
Pacheco's running game throughout this season. And let me throw in their CEH, too, because he had some tough runs, not only this last Saturday, but the preceding weeks, man. He, he just seems to grind out some some yards when, you know, you, you, you wouldn't expect that. I, it seems like a renewed CEH. So I think that identity I expect to, to be consistent. I do think, you know, the offensive line is probably – uh, going to continue what it is, but I, I think the last thing you got to throw in there is is the defense. And and it, when I get worried about like, you know, I think, gosh, man, you know, sometimes, you know, we're not scoring thirty points anymore. We're, you know, can we win a football game with seventeen? Can we win a football game with twenty one? Well, yeah, if the if the defense can hold them to seven points, you can. I mean. Todd Blackledge could win that football game. You know what I mean? It, it just, it, it's crazy when you think how good this defense is that your offense doesn't need to be the 2019 Chiefs. It doesn't need to be the 2022 Chiefs. They just need to be able to, to go down and protect the football. I, I thought the, the, the biggest difference was the lack of mistakes or the volume and lack of mistakes. And so if they can continue that through the postseason, then we, you know, we might be able to highlight the, the old adage of defense wins championships. Absolutely. I, I was talking with Jacob earlier in the first hour, and we were talking about just how the defense is really going to be the tone setter going forward. So I'm glad you said that. Uh, but I do want to ask one more question on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a Lions fan, and I was at Arrowhead week one. And I was like, who is this Rasheed Rice guy? I hadn't heard much about him. Didn't know much about him, but he's pretty much evolved into the number one target for the Chiefs offense. So I would love to ask you just, as the season's progressed, what has it been like watching his progression and just kind of what's the feel like about Rice in the uh, in Chiefs kingdom? Well, I think they're so impressed, first of all, with his work ethic. He He's, for a rookie, you don't tend to see a rookie come out of college and have a pro work ethic. They kind of have to learn that. They kind of have to take that next step. And he's done that. And I, I think, you know, we were told all along the season, he's getting a little better and he's getting a little better. And there were times we questioned it, you know, uh, but he has really emerged as not only a favorite target for Mahomes, but a big play potential target. He's making, he's doing the things now that he wasn't doing early in the season that were preventing that, you know, coming back to the football, catching the ball on the run, you know, making that second cut, all these things that he was kind of struggling with early in the season, he's now overcome. And, and I feel like not only has he kind of passed that rookie wall, I never even saw him really hurdle it. I mean, it felt like he would just went right through it. And, and so I, I guess you kind of have to say at this point, he's, developed into a legitimate number one. And, and I think the coaching staff is very pleased with him. I think the guy who's probably the happiest is 15. You know, if you're throwing yeah. the football and you've struggled to have guys that you put the ball in the hands of hold on to that ball and suddenly you've got someone that can do that and then can make get some yak afterwards, I just think that, you know, he's going to – the other, the last thing I, I would say about Rice too here is his, his effectiveness forces the defense – the game plan against him. That means that's that much less manpower they can put on Travis Kelsey. So I think it opens things up for Kelsey too. So we needed it. We asked for it. And I think we're finally getting it, but it's fun to watch this kid develop because it feels like to me, he gets better every single week, uh, especially these last six weeks. He's gotten just uh, 
I mean, he's, he's fun to watch, right? I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where it's no longer hope, it's reality. Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, joining us here on Sports Daily. Dan, let's look ahead to the Buffalo Bills. Of course, yesterday, the, you know, their game postponed 24 hours. Uh, and, you know, Buffalo looked great. And, of course, they were able to take advantage of some of the things that the Steelers weren't doing well. Tackling was one of them, but Buffalo is going to be facing a better, a much better tackling team in Kansas City this weekend. You know, the one thing, and going back to real quick with the Dolphins, the Chiefs defense did a really good job of limiting the big plays from Miami outside of that one Tyreek Hill catch and touchdown score. Josh Allen lives on the big plays, and he also is known for shredding blitzes. Steve Spagnola loves to blitz. We've seen this matchup multiple times before, including earlier this season in Arrowhead. What do you anticipate the way that Steve Spagnola will go about attacking Josh Allen and that Buffalo Bills offense? Yeah, I think, you know, when you when you look at the, the Miami Dolphins and, and the tremendous job that they did, one in 12 third down conversion, I mean, it's just an outstanding number. However, you have to factor in, I, I felt like the Dolphins – were a little bit of a paper tiger anyway. They'd only beaten one team with a winning record all year, the Dallas Cowboys, and they only beat them by two points. And so you also factor in Tua, uh, Tua Tonga Viola only had had no playoff experience. So this was his first playoff game. I feel like Spagnolo was it was much easier for Spagnolo to confuse Tua than it's going to be to confuse Josh Allen. Uh, this is by no means going to be. Uh, an easy game. I feel like this is going to be probably a, a, a one of those games that if you go back a couple of years ago to that tremendous uh, Bills, you know, contest where the it was the last man standing. While I don't think offensively, I don't think either the Bills or the Chiefs are the same. I think both teams are more balanced now than they used to be. They both have better defenses now than they used to. I will tell you that the Bills lost a couple of guys on defense yesterday. And so that's going to be a struggle when you talk about stopping Isaiah Pacheco and you, you're down linebackers. That's not a good thing, but I feel like for Spagnolo, he, he definitely knows Allen and he'll come up with something uh, for Allen, but Allen's a, a tremendous quarterback. And I mean, I, I feel like he's good at, at making reads. He's harder to confuse in those legs. He can run the football, man. Yeah. I mean, When's the last time we saw a, a run like that out of a quarterback? Yeah. Maybe Colin Kaepernick yep. a dozen years ago. I mean, it's it's, it's unbelievable. And so I, I feel like that added threat, this is going to be one of the biggest tests. In my opinion, this is going to be one of the biggest tests. I think it'll be easier if we progress and we played the Ravens and we played Lamar Jackson. I feel like that's going to be an easier game than than possibly this Bills game. I just think we match up well against the Bills, and they have a lot of weapons in their arsenal. Absolutely. Um, I have one quick question, too, about the Bills, uh, specifically the, the two tight ends that they use. Uh, they, they really like to use them in a lot of different ways, um, and they're also really good blocking tight ends. Can you just talk to maybe how the Chiefs plan to game plan for those two tight ends and there's the different packages that they use them in. Sometimes their you know, hands are in the dirt. Sometimes they're lined up in the trip. So what do you, what do you expect to see there? Yeah, it's very similar to kind of how we do things with our tight ends. And, and you know, as if the receivers and Allen don't have a good, you know, a good enough connection, this, this rookie, Dalton Kincaid, is really playing well. And 
he's very uh, he's very Travis Kelsey like, you know, the way he plays. He can block, he can catch, he can do everything, and and so I feel like there's a lot of there's just a lot of uh, increased pressure on that defensive line to make sure that you're you're stunting these guys, that you're that you're getting them, not letting them get free releases, because we know what happens when Travis Kelsey gets that right, and so. Uh, I, I feel like it'll be a test for for the Chiefs. It, it is something that's different for the Bills. The Bills, not that they haven't had good tight ends, because they have, but I feel like their increased play to the tight ends is something we haven't seen out of Bills previously. Before we let you go, Dan, let's talk injuries very quickly. You touched on it in regards to Buffalo, and I think a big talking point going into the game this weekend is that Kansas City is healthier than Buffalo is, and they get two more days of rest because of the postponement with the Buffalo game yesterday. So what do we know injury-wise, especially for Kansas City? Any major concerns going into this weekend? I mean, I don't really think so. I mean, the one thing you'd like to get back is Wanya Morris, who is in the concussion protocol, which I expect he will be get back. Uh, you know, you just can never have enough offensive linemen, it seems like. And so uh, I don't really think there's much. I didn't see uh, too much going on in the locker room. I do think it was kind of interesting. A couple of different players, literally their hearts were in their bellies, they said, when they went into the huddle and looked at the hole in Mahomes' helmet. Oh. <laughs> said it, just, it just gave us this panic attack as if he had a hole in his head. And uh, But Mahomes is fine. You know, Kelsey's his normal self. I, I think your playmakers, uh, Pacheco's beat up, of course, because that's the way he runs. Uh, Nick Bolton's still struggling through that. He's got that cast on. But I think you're right. We're in a healthier position with a couple of extra days rest. It may be enough to offset the home field advantage that the Bills fans are going to try to bring to this thing. And, and hopefully the snow will stay out of there because I don't want any snowballs. I remember that in 1990 uh, in the 93 yeah. playoffs, people throwing ice balls. That is not fun. Quick uh, follow-up to that. Do we know anything about Jarek McKinnon? I know he's on injured reserve. I know he had surgery like a week and a half ago. Is, is there a chance we see him as the playoffs move on or should we not count on that? I have heard I've heard that not for this game. I think if we could progress past, there may be consideration there, but I'm supposed to get an update on him Thursday. So okay. uh, I may know more for you uh, here coming up, but right now, yeah. And, you know, I, I'll tell you, um, again, with, with CEH, I, I, I just feel like these guys, and even I'd even say, you know, Pirine, uh I feel like they've really done a good job of, of stepping up because I thought the loss of Jarek Matinen was going to be very significant. He is so effective on third down, and I expected there to be a, a huge step down, and, and we really haven't experienced that. So kudos to those guys for, for answering the bell when it rung. Well, of course, the divisional round matchup, you guys will be headed to Orchard Park. It's the Sunday primetime game. Anything uh, big uh, scheduled planned on the radio network for the game this weekend? Not yet. We, you know, the, the downside to the playoffs is that the schedule comes out, you know, really midway through what would normally be our planning cycles. And yeah. so we knew that we were going to either play Sunday night or Saturday, but, you know, you're working two separate games and two separate crews. It's, it's a little bit intense today. By the end of today, I hope to kind of be back on schedule. I was pretty impressed with the Chiefs. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. 
That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Released the itinerary uh, for Buffalo almost immediately at the end of uh, last night's or yesterday's game, which is pretty impressive when you think about what goes into traveling, Tommy. I mean, think about you got to have a hotel in this city, you got to have a hotel in that city, right. police escorts, buses, air. You know, I, there's a lot that goes into that. So uh, our traveling staff is one of the best, and and I just I'm so impressed by everything they've done. You know, we had that flex night earlier in the season where they moved us and and they scrambled and got everything done the germany game it's really incredible uh it's an immense amount of work and it's it's a very uh it's a very important job i think is a lot underrated we depend on those guys to make the routines happen right if they don't get it right then the routine falls apart from the from the very beginning we all know how players and coaches need their routine so uh i the one thing i can tell you about this game is it's going to be another epic one right so what whatever you do you're going to want to make an appointment to sit listen to this game because i just don't think there's a bills chiefs game that i would want to miss at this juncture this this mahomes allen uh rivalry if you want to call it that is I think one of the best we've had in the last two decades. Yeah, it's definitely turned into one of the most premier rivalries in the NFL, and we'll get it in the playoffs this weekend in primetime. Bills and Chiefs, and uh, it's going to be just an incredible matchup. It always is when these two teams square up. Dan, thanks again for your time. Enjoy the tropical weather in Orchard Park this weekend. <laughs> I'll try my best. You know, you can only eat buffalo wings down to a certain temperature, <laughs> and then you got to stop. Absolutely. It, yep, thanks, Dan. Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, joining us here on Sports Daily. We'll take a timeout. On the other side, we'll get into a little bit of what Dan talked about and look ahead to the Chiefs and Bills. Also, K-State basketball in action tonight against Baylor. We'll give you a preview of that game and a whole lot more. Jad Chambers producing. I'm Tommy Castor along with Malcolm Carter at Sports Daily here on KFH. We'll be right back. Daily is on KFH. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's Sports Daily on KFH. I'm Tommy Castor, along with Malcolm Carter. Jad Chambers producing our thanks to Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, joining us here on Sports Daily. If you missed any of that conversation, as always, you can go back and listen to it for free on the Odyssey app. Malcolm, I think a couple of really interesting things from that conversation with Dan. 
really as it relates to moving forward this weekend against the Buffalo Bills. And, and you asked him about the way that Buffalo uses the tight ends. Both Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid had big days yesterday for Buffalo. And then, of course, Josh Allen on the ground running the football. It's, it's going to present challenges, of course, for Steve Spagnolo and the Chiefs defense. But they're not, uh, they're not, they've, they've played the Bills before. They know how to go and battle that Buffalo offense. What kind of changes do you think will be in place, if any, for Steve Spagnuolo and the Chiefs defense? Yeah, I think um, they'll try to give Josh Allen a lot of different looks. I think right now, the way that they simplified their offense, he's really going, if, that, if his first read is there, he's taking it. Yeah. And I think that's a lot different. I think he's growing out of that, like, I need to make the big play mentality. So I think um, Chiefs defense will really be looking to take away that first read, whether that's one of the tight ends, whether that's Stephon Diggs or maybe like an out or a slant. They'll try to take that first option away, make Josh hitch a little bit. Um, I think that when you start getting him to do that, his feet start dancing a little bit in the pocket. That's where you start to see some of those mistakes happen. So I think priority number one will be to will be to take away that first read. Yeah, and I know that when we talked about it with Dan about how the Chiefs defense, they, they love to blitz. That's one thing that Steve Spagnola does a lot. He blitzes a lot. He blitzes in critical times a lot, too. He's not afraid to do that. Josh Allen historically is really good against the blitz, and, and that's really when you know he can use his legs to beat you. So I wonder if we're going to see different packages where maybe they they tease a blitz or they simulate a blitz and then drop back into coverage. I don't exactly know what that's going to look like, and I'm sure it'll be situational depending on what happens in the game. But that's the thing about Josh Allen is that for the number of times that People have been critical about him and his turnovers because he is prone to throwing interceptions and that sort of thing. He he definitely can beat you not only with his arm but with his legs, and that's one thing that, that Allen does probably better than any other quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that that will be where the Bills will try to make their, make their mark on that game because I think more often than not, you shorten the game down for the Chiefs and you make those possessions really count. I think with the way the Chiefs offense is looking right now, that bodes really well for the Bills. So I think that um, you'll probably see James Cook 15 carries. You'll probably see Josh Allen anywhere between, I think, 7 to 10 carries. Um, and I think that they'll, they'll try to use that. And I think if they're able to get, you know, five, six yards a pop and they're able to move the ball like that, I think that'll play right into where I believe the Bills game plan will be looking to go. Um, and then really just giving it back to the Chiefs and seeing if they're able to go. But I think touchdowns will be – the name of the game. Whoever can go down there, score in the red zone, I think will ultimately win the game. I'm going to throw a theory out at you right now, and tell me if you think I'm crazy. I, I talked to, We talked about it on the show yesterday, and, and Jacob and I were actually surprisingly on the same page about it, but I want to get your thoughts on this. I actually think that the Bills beating the Steelers and Kansas City going to Buffalo this weekend is a better path for Kansas City to make it to the Super Bowl than the other way around. If the Steelers had won and then Houston comes to Arrowhead. And the reason I say that is because, yeah, you go to Buffalo and the Bills are an extremely talented football team. But I think that Houston has an opportunity to beat Baltimore in Baltimore this week. And if that happens, then you've got the AFC Championship game right back at Arrowhead with the Chiefs and the Texans next weekend. 
Is that a crazy thought? I mean, do you think that it's better to have that home game? It's not happening now, but would have had that home game against Houston this weekend as opposed to going to Buffalo and then back to Kansas City potentially for an AFC championship game. Yeah, I think um, I don't think it's any secret the Chiefs play better at home. I think they do have a true home field advantage when it comes to not only crowd noise, but the elements as well. Um, So I don't think that that's necessarily a crazy theory. Um, I think when you're in the locker room, I don't think you care who you play, where you go. You just you want to get to that next phase. But I think when you're looking at it from that perspective, the way the Texans are looking right now, I would I would almost want to take that extra week of film, see what they got going on because the way they looked, when the way CJ Stroud's looking right now, they're they are truly a problem. Um, so I think having a familiar foe um, in this game plan, this game I think leads a little bit more into how the Chiefs want to play right now. So I don't. I actually don't think that's a crazy theory. Actually, now that you mentioned it, it does it does have some some validity to it. Uh, I'm sure that you and Jacob discussed it in hour number one when it was the two of you. Uh, I'm sure you're feeling pretty good about the way the NFC is lining out for the Lions right now. Oh yeah. I mean, hey, I will say I wanted that rematch in Dallas. I think we were going to go out there and we were going to dominate, but Packers took care of business. Um, so I'm not uh, I'm not too concerned there. But I mean, bring the Bucks on. We already played them once this year. Pretty much our entire team was hurt that game. We didn't have Gibbs. Uh, Montgomery was out. We just had we had injuries across the field. And now we're actually getting some guys back for this game. James Houston, he, he's got off IR. I think he'll be back this week. So, I mean, it looks it looks beautiful to me. I'm personally I'm not scared about going out to uh, San Francisco and playing the NFC Championship out there. Uh, but deep down, I really did want that rematch with Dallas. Man, <laughs> I wanted to go down there. Oh, just just get that rematch, man. I would have meant everything. But I'll take another home game in Detroit. Ford Field is going to be rocking. Those ticket prices are ridiculous again. So I'm, I'm definitely happy, and I'll, I'll take Baker Mayfield for sure. Hey, I'm glad that we had a, a really competitive game between the Lions and the Rams. That was the only one out of the six games. It was a really, in my mind, Kind of a disappointing weekend as far as the quality of the games. I just felt like, and I know the elements played into some of that, um, but just blowouts mm. left and right, except for the Lions and the Rams. So I'm glad we had that. Hopefully we'll have more competitive games this weekend. Who's a more disappointing team to you, the Cowboys or the Eagles, after their first-round exits? I think I think you got to say the Cowboys. I think the Eagles, um, they have some glaring holes, especially on the back end, but even on the offensive side of the ball that I think – I didn't think they were going to be able to overcome anyway. Um, but I think with Dallas, man, for starters, I feel like they got out they were out coached from 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 the jump. The even from them taking the the opening drive down for it for seven, I just don't think that they were prepared or schematically ready for that type of game. Um because I was saying in the first hour, they were able to do essentially anything they wanted to do. If that was run the ball with Aaron Jones and make it a second and manageable, if it was, you know, throw it to the pylons, if it was throwing it in across the middle, they were able to do essentially anything that they wanted to do. So I was a little taken back at one. I don't even – did they sack Jordan Love? Like, did they get – I don't feel like they got to him at all. I don't think they even touched him, man. I don't think he ever touched the ground. So – I was really, I would say, more disappointed in Dallas. One, not being able to create pressure. I think that was something Detroit was able to do in some of our matchups with Green Bay. We were able to get home. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, that their game plan couldn't have went even more worse than how that game started. C.D. Lamb and Dak were not on the same page. Dak looked a, like, like a deer in the headlights a little bit out there. Yeah. So I, was, I would say I'm a little more disappointed in how they came out. And they were at home. And they won the NFC East. So... 
I don't know. I feel like, and I get what you're saying. I, I feel like what's even more disappointing are the Philadelphia Eagles. And the reason for that, I mean, you're, you're coming off of a Super Bowl appearance. They were so strong until about the last month and a half or so. And it, to me, looks like Nick Sirianni has lost the team. You watched them last night. They had no interest in being in that game. They had no interest in tackling. And I know that the Cowboys fell behind big against the Packers. I never really felt like, even though the Cowboys had uh, the Cowboys had gotten down big, I never felt like they had lost their fight, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they got it to within a couple of touchdowns late in the game. I never really felt like they had given up. And we haven't heard a whole lot about Mike McCarthy losing the locker room. I think that he'll probably be out of a job. But I feel like Nick Sirianni lost that team last night, and they just didn't have any uh, interest in, in playing in that game, I felt like. Yeah, it looked like they, they limped into that matchup a little bit. Maybe that's why I, I would say I wasn't too surprised. Um, I think if you, if you factor in those, that last month of football, they didn't look like a playoff team. Yeah. So going into it, I think Tampa Bay had everything to play for. They had no expectations. They're playing the former NFC champ from last year. So, I mean, I think they just went out there and executed their game plan. I think they were the better team um, going into that game, and it showed, I think, at every level. Offensive line, defensive line, they were, I mean, they were, the, the Bucks' defensive line was creating pressure. They were wrecking havoc. Line, linebackers were playing well. They were flying to the ball. So I just don't think, the, I think the Eagles just kind of limped into the playoffs, man. They, they started off the year hot. I don't think if they started off the year, I don't even know if they would even made the playoffs. Yeah. And, and now we're uh, keeping our eyes on whether or not Mike McCarthy and or Nick Sirianni are out of a job. And then if either one of them or both of them potentially are, who would be on the short list, you know, to replace them. I think that there are a couple of big names out there. So we got to keep our eyes on all of that. But of course, the divisional rounds are set. The game that we care most about, well, us except for Malcolm uh, with the Lions, but our divisional game, Kansas City, of course, they play the primetime game on Sunday night, the final game in the divisional round. Let's step aside for a timeout and uh, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about K-State basketball uh, and their game tonight against Baylor. We'll do that on the other side. Jad Chambers producing the program. The KFH hotline is open at 869-1240. Sports Daily coming right back. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on a Tuesday. Tommy Castor, Malcolm Carter, and for Jacob Albrock, Jad Chambers producing the program. All right, Malcolm, tonight, Kansas State basketball back in action. We'll have all the coverage right here with Wyatt Thompson on KFH. Taking on the Baylor Bears, the Wildcats fall by one point in Lubbock over the weekend to Grant McCaslin and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And now you've got Jerome Tang's former boss, uh, Scott Drew, with the Baylor Bears coming to Manhattan it's a good bounce-back opportunity for the Wildcats, but it's not going to be easy. Baylor is always good. They're 14-2, and two, and I know you know Baylor, of course, they've got their sights set on another Big 12 title. A road win in Manhattan against the Wildcats would be a really good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think we're in for, for a good game here. I think, like you mentioned, there's some emotion um, that, is, that is in this game. Two teams that I think will, will be there in March trying to compete. Uh, for the big dance. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this matchup. They got the spread at, you know, Baylor favored one and a half. So, I mean, that really can go either way. 
Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to more, more than anything is the guard play. Uh, Baylor and Kansas State both have really good guard play um, that account for a lot of their points. So I know they're going to battle it out from, from tips. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that one-and-a-half-point spread, that was interesting when I when I saw that because I thought it would have been a little bit bigger towards Baylor yeah. just because of the body of work that, that Baylor has had this season and the recent, uh, I, I don't want to call it struggles for Kansas State. I mean, they lost by a point to Texas Tech, but they handled UCF in their opening Big 12 contest. So it's not like the Wildcats have really struggled. I just thought that that spread would have been a little bit bigger. Baylor... Here's the interesting thing. They played Cincinnati in their last game. Baylor is averaging 86 points a game. They only scored 62 against Cincinnati in their last time out. And so I don't know if that was a lack of shooting from uh, you know Baylor's uh, offense or if Cincinnati just did a really good job locking them down. But that's kind of an anomaly. That's something that we're not used to seeing from Baylor you know, scoring that many points, but then only getting 62 in their last game out might be an opportunity there for the Wildcats to uh, take advantage of. Yeah, and the Wildcats, they are are a good defensive team, and I think they play even better at home. Um, So, I mean, like you said, one and a half is definitely a pick-em type game. Um, Definitely expected Baylor to maybe be more of like the three and a half range. But um, like you said, K-State, they're going to come out there and they they got something to play for. You know, any team that goes out and loses by one and feels like they had the game, they're going to come out there wanting to get that dub. So it's, it's, it's going to be a slugfest for sure. I'm definitely probably leaning towards the, the under on this one. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That one and a half, um, I'm, leaning, I'm leaning towards taking K-State to cover. You know, at home uh, in Bramlage, bouncing back from the game in Lubbock over the weekend. Uh, again, I know Baylor is tough. I know that we, we all know Scott Drew. We all know what the Baylor Bears take care of, but – Man, I, I like that line as it relates to Kansas State at one and a half. Um, are you surprised at all by what we've seen from a couple of these Wildcat players, specifically Cam Carter, who is a guy that you know was a kind of a reserve player, bench player a year ago, has really stepped into a role where he is kind of the primary offensive weapon for the Wildcats? Yeah, I think uh, when you when you kind of flash back to K State last year, how they. Uh, how they like to run their offense. Um, I think that they are, you know, kind of that guard-centered offense where there is a lot of onus put on the guards to not only make stuff happen but to make difficult shots. Yeah. Um. So it doesn't it doesn't necessarily surprise me that much. Um. That that Cam specifically has been doing very well. Um. A lot of times, a lot of guys they just need that opportunity. They need those minutes to get those shots up as the season goes on. Um. I think he's he's only getting better, man. He's he's shooting a really decent percentage. Um, he shoots the three well. He shoots the free throws extremely well too. So, um, like I said, like I said earlier, the guard play is going to really be where I'm looking at. Well, I think whoever can come out and take advantage of the other, and you know maybe create some turnovers, I think it'll it'll be the story of the game. You know, Kansas State, especially in the game in Lubbock over the weekend, it was a game of runs. They were hot for a while, then they went ice cold. Lost that lead. I mean, they had an 11-point halftime lead. And Texas Tech comes back in the second half, and they, they get the victory. And, and Jacob and I have discussed it multiple different times about just where, where that offense production, the offensive production will come from and who you can rely on. It's Cam Carter for sure. But then outside of that, who is it? 
from a game-to-game basis. Mm-hmm. We've seen it be Arthur Kaluma at times. Tyler Perry continues a disappointing season uh, coming into Manhattan. I just don't know where they find that offensive spark when they need it the most. They're not getting a ton of production from the bench. You know, and so I, I don't know if expanding the bench minutes is the way to go because we haven't really seen a whole lot of that this season from this team. But it concerns me that really outside of a player like Cam Carter, I don't know if there's anybody you can necessarily count on when you need a bucket. And late in the game against Texas Tech, they needed a bucket. They went to Tyler Perry, and Perry couldn't get it done. Yeah, um, and, I, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll never end up finding that. I think that um, – as the games, as the season goes on and you go from game to game, certain guys will have to step up depending on the matchup itself. Um, but I think, really, man, I really think that the offense runs through these two guys. Um, and even if, uh, for Perry, if he's not necessarily scoring at a high clip, but he's getting other guys involved, um, I'd love to see them um, kind of work some inside out a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know if there's a clear cut remedy for yeah. what they have going on. I mean, they said it's a guard centric team. Well, and, and we know that Perry can do it. In that 20-0 run that the Wildcats had, Tyler Perry made four straight three-pointers in that run. Mm. So we know he can make the shots. But outside of that run, he was 1 of 10 from the field, 0 of 7 from 3. Mm. So he was feeling it in that, in that time, and the momentum had definitely swung back to the Wildcats. But outside of that 20-0 run in the first half, Perry wasn't making his shots. You know, Camp Carter, at least we know, that he's relatively efficient from the field. He was 6 of 11. He had 15 points. That's the 10th straight game that he's reached double figures. So you kind of know what Carter is going to do. It's just concerning to me. And even though I like the Wildcats in this matchup, I like them to cover the point and a half to bounce back after the game on Saturday. It does concern me long-term that really outside of Carter, they, just, they don't have anybody that you can really count on. I agree with you. They're a guard-centric team. But if you're going to be a guard-centric team, and I know Perry facilitates, you've got to have him be an effective weapon to score the basketball. Absolutely. And um, a lot of it's going to come down to, uh, like I say, finding those matchups. Um, I, don't, I don't believe Baylor is, is an elite, elite defensive team. So I do think that they'll be able to find some of those kind of those small areas in the defense where I think they'll be able to exploit that. Um, and a lot of that's going to come down to coaching and really situational stuff. Um, so I think that I think they'll be fine. I think that I do think that K State will pull this one out. Um, but going forward, kind of like long term, I do think that they'll need to find a way to get other guys involved. Maybe get some more pick and roll action. Getting some guys cutting to the basket a little more. Maybe just to open up the offense. Maybe the guys aren't just staring at those two waiting on something to happen. It will definitely be a resume win if the Wildcats can get a victory. The Baylor Bears are number nine in the country. And for a Kansas State team that, you know, we're all pretty sure they're not going to win the Big 12. If you can get a big-time victory on your home court like that as you're building your resume for postseason basketball, this is definitely a game where, you know, they can put that on their resume for the committee when that time comes. Baylor is 3-0 and in the Big 12. A five-point win over Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's not very good. They beat BYU at home by nine. And then, as I mentioned before, a three-point home win against Cincinnati where they only scored 62 points. And, of course, that was in Waco. So, you know, now you've got the Baylor Bears traveling to Manhattan, and we'll see if uh, Kansas State can can get the job done tonight on that. Real quick, before we take a break, it's been, you know, a, a wild start to the Big 12 season. We've seen 
the teams that everybody expects to be in the hunt all struggle at various times early on in conference play, including Kansas, including Houston, even including Oklahoma. Where do you stand right now on the way that things are shaking out here early on in conference play? Yeah, I I really think this is going to go down to not only the end of the season, but when we're talking about those conference tournaments, I mean, it if you, when you look at the standings, I mean, they, these games, like most of these teams are separated by, you know, one or two games, not even in conference, but in overall schedule. Um, so I really think it's going to it's going to come down to one, the health of these teams and then two experience. I'm still leaning towards KU. Um, I think as they start to develop more of a rapport with each other, um, they'll figure out some of those issues. Um, I think Hunter Dickinson, you know, he's a former Michigan guy. He he shows up in those bigger games towards the end of the season. I'm still leaning towards KU, but I think it, it, a lot of that will depend on their conference tournament. Yeah, the new AP pool was uh, released yesterday. The Jayhawks remain at number three in the country. It was a really weird weekend where you had a number of top 12 teams all lose in the week. Number one, uh, Purdue did. Uh, number two did. Houston lost. I mean, there were a ton of top 12 teams that all fell at one point or another uh, in the last week. So, man, that's college basketball. There's not a super team out there. There's a whole lot of parity, and I think we're going to see a whole lot more of it. The Wildcats, of course, in action tonight against Baylor. You can hear all the action right here on KFH pregame with Wyatt Thompson begins at 6 o'clock, and tip-off is at 7 from Bramlage. Wildcat fans, you can find K-Statement's basketball broadcasts all of them with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, right here on KFH, and you can search for it on the Odyssey app. We'll take our final time out, tell you what's on tap, coming up on the other side at Sports Daily on KFH. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.